Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. So Michael is one of the founders of Pure Cycles. In the midst of launching a new bike on Kickstarter, which is going awesome. So it's an electric bike with the Volta e-bike. But uh, to keep it simple, I'd love to get you to kind of tell us a bit about what you guys do and kind of the founding story, as it were. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cameron. It's really, uh, really an honor, man. Appreciate it. So name is Michael. Started Pure Cycles about six years ago uh, in college in Madison, Wisconsin as a senior with two of my best friends that I've known since kindergarten. Uh, so the original idea was that uh, we saw that college students had been riding a lot of used bikes and then also had been, you know, not just not even riding any bikes because if they wanted to buy a new bike that looked cool, they had to go to a bike shop and spend anywhere upwards of $700. So the original idea was to create a $300 bike that looked really nice and that was really easy to maintain. So we came out with these single speed bikes that were kind of perfect for college students in, in Madison. And we just sold out of our first order of 165 bikes within those first two weeks and kind of blew us away and realized that we had a real business while still in college. So that's interesting, right? Like you, you 165 bikes, 300 bucks a pop. There's a few assumptions and a few jumps there. I know there are so many people out there that, you know, probably have thought I should start a bike brand or I should start a t-shirt brand, but actually getting those first 165 bikes is a bit of a commitment, a bit of a actually um, following through. How long did that part take? Like going from, Hey, we've got an idea. <laughs> We want to get these bikes to actually like finding the supplier, getting them into Wisconsin. Like, what did that look like? I'd love to drill into that a little bit. It was like really quick, actually. Uh, we decided in like September that we were going to start a business, and like we just wanted to start a business doing something. I, we didn't want to go to like any job fairs, like all of our other buddies <laughs> looking for jobs or being consultants or something. Yeah. So like we decided in September we're starting a business. We started to brainstorm what businesses we could we could start, but we were both passionate about being outside, and we loved riding our bikes around Madison. So then. We started going on Alibaba and we were like just looking for bike manufacturers and like we were just emailing bike manufacturers, uh, um, bike, yeah, bike factories over there and just saying like, you know, can we make a bike for $40, you know, something crazy like that and just start to learn more about the industry by talking to these manufacturers and finally settled on one within like 20 days, you know, showed them the bikes, the bike, what we wanted the bike to look like, uh, settled on a price. And then we then went straight to crowdsourcing site to create our uh, our logo so someone from mexico city ended up creating our logo it took like another two weeks um we placed the order in like the end of october or something around there um for the 165 bikes which is a 20-foot container and we got the bikes in by right around like winter break so that's like december january of that same year um we made our first sale uh, in january of 2011 that's so awesome. it was Quick process, and we built our own website. You know, one of, one of my partners, my buddies, again from kindergarten, built the website within that time and hit the ground run. We went to just went showed these bikes to uh, to bike shops, just like cold called and you know, kind of cold entered each store. Okay, awesome. And so, may I ask, did you did you get the price down to around forty bucks, or where was the? Do you remember how much? Oh yeah, I think our bike, our first bike was sixty seven dollars, right around there. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it's about ten grand, like, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that crazy of an investment, you yeah. know. I mean, it was definitely, you know, for someone who so ten grand for college kids is still a yeah, yeah. It's still like you know taking that leap of faith, and we didn't know if we if it would take like six months to sell these one hundred and sixty five bikes. Yeah. You know, we thought we were going to sell them online, and you know that would be that. But since they sold so quickly and sold quickly even to bike shops, you know, we just started to to jump right in and learn more about the bike industry. Started going to, to trade shows and doing all that good stuff. 
And um, question for you personally, I guess, do you, do you think that it was kind of imperative for you to have your co-founders? Do you think it would have happened the same way if you'd been by yourself? I know that's something a lot of people struggle with is... Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think the found, like, you know, having a team is extremely important. Um, I think I had such a unique situation because my two partners were my, you know, my best friends against this kindergarten. So there was just complete trust there. And also, since I know them, so, known them for so long, we knew that we each had different types of things to bring to the table. So, you know, I've heard definitely horror stories of some people with their partner. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think it's hugely important. You can't do everything yourself, you know? So the second that you can start already trusting someone to delegate work, you know, and everyone take control of their own little aspect of the business, it just helps you grow faster. Uh, I agree completely. I had two co-founders, one of whom was my older brother. And it just, it's a godsend when someone, you know, just owns something that you don't have to worry about. That's great. That's great. Um, so it sounds like the first bikes you kind of sold to friends and family, and then maybe you sold to retail shops. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we put up our website you know, in 2011, end of 2010. So like, you know, social media, like there was no like ads on social. It was like, you know, it was just all free. So we were blasting, you know, our, our word out there that we had the best single speed bikes out there. Small company from Los Angeles. So we started in college, you know, we had a good story. Yeah. Kindergarten friends. And then we just started to approach bike shops, um, just wheeling the bikes in. And bike shops didn't have anything in like below 500 bucks. It just wasn't a big focus for them. Um, that's kind of something that the mass market was taking control of, like the Walmarts and the Dicks and the Sports Authorities and all those other guys that you know are, uh, are selling mass amounts of bikes. So, um, you know, this was an opportunity for bike shops to start selling more more units and also reach the like more millennial demographic that they just weren't hitting, you know, they're hitting the 40 year old, you know, white dentist guy. So <laughs> buying his road bike. Yeah. It's an yeah, overly so. tight, uh, what do they call them? The bike pants or whatever. <laughs> so low price point, obviously cool designs. Um, and obviously you've got a lot of product selection now, but I mean, uh, there must've been some, some hiccups or something that was everything just kind of fell into place and you guys kept hustling or. Um, yeah. I mean, for sure there's hiccups, you know, the, the, the nature of just having a business where you have inventory, you know, is, is hugely difficult, you know, with cash flow issues, you know, basically we were just reinvesting everything that we had that we made in profit into just buying more and more inventory. So, you know, you run into cash flow issues like that. You yeah. also have issues where the product was being made in China, you know, and, and when you have, you would, you, when you only have the ability to buy like 165 or 300 or pretty much less than a thousand units at a time, you're not really working with the best manufacturers right off the bat and they don't really care much about you. There's not much, uh, like there's nothing you can do. No repercussions for those, for these crappy factories. If, if they sell you a, a bad bike and you know, the bike comes all scratched up, it's not like you're like, yo, send me 20, 20 more of these, you know, for free. That's just, you just don't get that. So we had those issues until we found a good manufacturer. So there's, there's definitely always, always issues, but you just find ways to work around them. And we just had such good timing and, um, our branding was good that we were able to sell the product that even was scratched or damaged. We just made it work. So you mentioned two things there, cash flow and manufacturers. I mean, have you solved those problems now? I mean, cash flow continues to be a problem for, you know, a lot of businesses, right? Especially as you said, when you're you're storing a lot of your capital in inventory. But um, did you manage to have you guys managed to get like um bank financing or trade financing or support from sure. I don't know the um, any other organizations in that regards, or you've just got enough capital now that it's not a problem? No, I mean, uh, you know, uh, no, it's, it's all, 
because of the nature of like of our ambition and, and wanting to grow, you know, yeah. cash flow has continuously been an issue over the past six years. But um, we've we were able to um, have bank financing almost the whole entire time. First supported by um, backed by some of our parents, yeah. um, which was really nice that we were lucky to have, to have that. And then now backed by the business as, as we were growing. Yeah. But we've also raised two rounds and uh, over the past six years. But, you know, because we do sell to around 500 bike shops you know, around the world, it just forces us to carry so much inventory. Yeah, wow. uh, we can't, uh, because the lead time also, more, most importantly, the lead time on these bikes is, is so big. You know, some of our best selling bikes, we order them now, they won't be here for five more months. So that makes us hold, you know, a lot of inventory you know, that we're projecting to sell. You know, that, uh, that, that takes, that, that's quite a burden. And can I, can I ask, is it, is it tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of bikes now? Like what sort of like numbers are we talking? Yeah, over the past six years, we've sold over 100,000 bikes. So awesome. uh, Amazing. And they all go through your LA warehouse. You kind of transship them in from China, come into LA, and then ship them to the world? Another office and warehouse in the Netherlands, in Europe. Okay. Um, and that business was started three years ago. So that's much, it's a much smaller operation, but it's growing. So the majority of the bikes are currently are shipping out of, uh, out of the Los Angeles warehouse. So I saw that. So you've got a pure, pure cycles Europe now. Um, and is that your wholly owned entity and you've got team there or are you using the 3PL? Yeah, no, we have our own team. We were using the 3PL for the first two years and it was just really a nightmare. Overcharges and, um, poor storage and lawsuits and just crazy stuff that, uh, that, that was really holding the business back. So finally last year we got our own warehouse and our own, um, our own space. So it's, it's, it's been smooth sailing ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a, it's a big commitment, but to your point, no one's going to ship the goods as, as well as you are going to do it. Interesting. Okay. And I mean, you kind of mentioned a few problems and uh, I'm kind of curious and you obviously, you said you launched the e-commerce site in 2011, but um, what sort of tech are you guys using to run the business? I mean, your new bike's pretty high tech in of itself, but I'd love to kind of understand how you guys think about that. And you all seem pretty young, so you probably um, understand a lot of what's out there, but um, what are the kind of your go-to main tools? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, our, all of our inventory and like our sales and inventory management, ERP, all that stuff is all handled by NetSuite, which is the Oracle cloud software. So, you know, we, we've really jumped around with a lot of different things that we, as we've grown, you know, we're also using Shopify for, for the e-commerce platform, um, and Avalara to do our sales tax. So we, we try to keep everything in the cloud, try to not have any like PC desktop type of programs running. Uh, <laughs> To keep us really, you know, be able to work anywhere. It's, it's really important for us. Uh, you know, we've gone from using QuickBooks and using a whole bunch of different different softwares that kind of plugged in, and um, we had to piecemeal together. Uh, so now using NetSuite has been pretty awesome because it's just accounting software, everything all in one, sales management, all everything in one. So you don't have to um, be like syncing your data across all all different platforms. But yeah, we've uh, you know we use we use Google Docs. Uh, very extensively, we use we use Basecamp a lot. Use Hackbat, Hackpad is like our internal wiki. We're using Slack constantly. <laughs> so that's huge for kind of like just time-consuming emails, inner office stuff. That's just been really nice. And then even cooler with Slack is to be able to monitor all your all back channels from from our customers, so that you know we uh, everyone in the company can see can see how great our customer service team is being or how how bad it's been. Yeah. So you now I'm trying to think. Trying and, to think um, of what sorry. Using, but that was that was pretty 
pretty good list. And I'd love to know more about, uh, so as I said, that's, that's pretty high tech and you've also got the new um, electric bike, the Volta, and obviously that's still on Kickstarter and assuming it's not launched yet, but I'm, I'm sure you guys are playing with your prototypes in the, in the warehouse in, in LA, but are you guys engineers by training? I, I didn't ask that when you said you were at university, but like, how did that kind of come about? I mean, that is some pretty uh, advanced tech by the looks of it with the batteries and the kind of iPhone app and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the electric bike has always been something that we're really interested in because, you know, the, the mission of the company is to get more people on bikes and more specifically is to get more kind of people commuting by bike. And, you know, we are strong believers that the electric bike is very much a bike in that soon people will look at the electric bike as just a bike and they won't be saying the electric part. Um, and that'll have the cost comes down. So we've, we've you know, spreading electric bike allows you to go, go further and really use your bike as a real transportation replacement. So, you know, because we had that interest, we were just really focused on figuring out like how we can make one. So for the past three years, we just were reading as much as we can, learning as much as we can, meeting with all types of consultants and specialists in the e-bike space and flying to Europe, going to Eurobike every year for the past six years, working with some engineers in Israel that we made friends with and some guys in Mexico, a motor manufacturer in Mexico City. Mexico City that we went and visited, and then uh, just kind of networking to make sure that we really understand this product before fully diving in and doing it. So it's it's really been it's been a fun and frustrating process, I would say, over the past three years because it's taken so long. Yeah. But the final product that we finally came out came out with and launched on Kickstarter three four weeks ago or what was it three weeks ago has been extremely rewarding, and we're seeing great response to it, and uh, you know it's really fun. So you know none of us are engineers. Um, but, you know, we kind of try to think that way and, and we're just hiring the right people to, to help us, the specialists. And I, I noticed, I mean, obviously a lot of people think about Kickstarter as a place to launch a product and usually their first product, but obviously this isn't your first one. But um, I noticed that you guys are guaranteeing that you're going to launch in 2017, which I thought was really smart. I mean, I've seen a lot of companies and I'm, think, I'm sure we've all backed a lot of companies on Kickstarter where the date has just slipped. And we're not talking months, we're talking multiple years. Um, so is that being, a, I mean, that's a commitment you've made, but do you think uh, you, you could only have done that because you've had this experience already, you know, importing, getting these products into market yeah. so you know that stuff well? Yeah, definitely. It was really important for us to show people right off the bat that we were an established company, that we've been around for six years, that, you know, we've sold 100,000 bikes and that we're not just some company that, ha- and that we actually have produced this prototype and that we've been riding it for the past year and We've been working on it for three years instead of being just some company that has this cool idea and that maybe they'll make it like they're hopefully their first manufacturing go about goes well. And, you know, like we want to prove that we have relationships with, with manufacturers over that over overseas. Um, so that was really important for us. Um, and, you know, we're we're extremely confident we're going to hit that date. You know, that's kind of why we why we put that out there. If we weren't hadn't been around for this long you know, I don't, I'm not so sure that that would be a, a promise that another company could fulfill. I mean, that was going to be my question. I mean, did you have any other concerns or do you have any other concerns with something like Kickstarter? And I, I guess for other people, that would be the concern, which is, can you deliver on your commitment? But anything else? Or is it, do you think otherwise it's just a plus plus? No, no. Yeah. I mean, we're not really concerned. I mean, we really have everything lined up. Um, <laughs> we just hope to sell a lot more before the before the period's over. You're at about 100, 240 grand now, right? Which is pretty impressive yeah. for, you know. Yeah. It's still a while yeah. ago, I think, a couple of weeks still on the campaign. So um, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well. Um, now, of course, I mean, it's funny. In, in Singapore, uh, we, we have a lot of the e-bikes, and especially in the region, but they're the very old school. You've got the big battery underhanging um, underneath the, cha- the chassis, and 
Um, these bikes are like 20 or 30 years old, some of them. It's um, a very normal thing for the, uh, a lot of the old, older um, Singaporeans to be riding these things around. But uh, yeah, yours looks a little bit different from them, a little more high tech. But um, cool. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I, I know that um, uh, you've recently rebranded. I mean, I think you guys were originally Pure Fix, and uh, there's now been some change there. And I'd love to understand why you've kind of gone through that rebrand and kind of. Um, also, you kind of touched on that, but you've also got a pretty cool mission and values. And I'd also love to kind of uh, understand where they originated from and how they've evolved. Sure. Yeah. So when we first started the company um, in college, we really just wanted to be really focused and say we're selling bikes to, to college. We're researching and we found, you know, we, we liked fixed gear bikes and saw that they were easy to maintain and they were affordable. So when we were thinking of which name we were going to choose, you know, Pure Fix, using that fixed name just made sense because people would know right away what we were selling. Um, and as we started learning more about the bike industry, we saw that there were a lot of different segments of bike of categories, bike categories that had the same issues that we saw in college, that they were overpriced and that they were only they only came in black, silver and white <laughs> and red. So we just started just to hit other segments. So we started to make city bikes that were night that were cuter and nicer looking and that were cheaper. And then we started to make cruisers that were um, cooler looking and then now road bikes and uh, urban commuter bikes. And I, I love the glow in the dark one. I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's great. So as we were coming out with these different models, we, we had people just kind of were creating some confusion with people saying your name is Pure Fix, but you have these other models. And, you know, at, at, for the past couple of years, we were trying to fight this trademark issue of having other people kind of have the Pure Cycles name or using it in marketing and you know, so we were applying for it. And as soon as um, we finally we finally got it approved, you know, we decided to change the name because we, it's still our goal to come out with more bike models. And really to be the um, when you think of commuting by bike or, or the perfect lifestyle brand of bike commuting, you think of pure cycles and it's way more than just fixed gear bikes. You know, so that was the reason there. And then uh, and then the mission of the company is to get more people on bikes. And, you know, that that really means a lot to us more than you know, just selling bikes. And we prove that by really getting involved with our community. So we're members of the LACBC, which is the local um, bicycle advocacy group. And then with CalBike, which is the California state organization. And then for People for Bikes, which is a national advocacy um, bike organization. Um, and we donate our time and money and, um, and product to making sure that more infrastructure is being built um, to make cycling safer. Because that's really the biggest difference between the U.S. and Europe, where people in Europe are using their bike as, as real transportation and in the U.S. where people are nervous to ride their bike and just riding for sport. Every time in L.A., I'm remain, reminded of that quote, you're not in traffic, you are traffic, get a bike. Because, <laughs> you know, as you know, worse than the world. Well, actually, maybe actually some of the Southeast Asian countries have worse traffic than L.A., but it's definitely up there. Jakarta and uh, Manila and stuff aren't ideally there. But you see a lot of bikes in this region as well, a lot of scooters. So I guess that's a good thing. Cool. Oh, and, and I guess um, a few more freestyle kind of questions. You know, how, how do you see, you know, Pure evolving? You, you mentioned, obviously, there's a lot more bikes to be built. But, you know, is accessories, are there kind of other ambitions? Obviously, the e-bike's a big a big leap of faith. But um, what is the kind of, you know, 10-year plan? Yeah, the 10-year plan, I think, is when people think of lifestyle bikes or, or, or biking for commuting or for transportation, they think of Pure Cycles. I mean, when, think, when people think of buying a bike and having like the best bike buying experience and getting someone who's, who they're going to learn from, whether it's from our content or blogs or, you know, our videos or who, who's going to have the coolest curated 
bike stuff online or in stores, they think pure cycles. And, you know, I hope 10, 10 years down the line, we're helping change the atmosphere in the U.S. when people think about biking, that it is for transportation. And, you know, as far as product goes, we're going to continue to create bikes that are affordable and that are comfortable and that look cool so that people are interested in biking. And um, I think this electric bike model is we're just scratching the surface of this new electric, this kind of platform that that I think is going to transform a lot of things. And I'm super confident saying that when people think of electric bikes, you know, in five years or hopefully in five years or 10 years, they're just going to be calling it a bike. Yeah. Um, Electric bikes are going to get cheaper and the batteries are going to get smaller thanks to, you know, Tesla and all everyone else who's putting money into this, mm. um, this, these, these electric battery fields. And, you know, that's, I think it's going to really help us change people being able to ride their bikes more for transportation. That's true. So you guys kind of get to wave, uh, ride the electric and smartphone wave in terms of innovation and battery tech and mobile tech and stuff. That's cool. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah. and, um, I, I was curious. I mean, uh, You've obviously, you're doing the, the Volta and you're seeing, you're obviously now exposed to Europe and you mentioned you're going to trade shows like Eurobike and stuff. What do you think is the biggest requirement? I mean, you said you were trying to impact the government and, you know, I guess the work with the local council in LA and stuff, but um, like, do you, do, do, do people want to see it change? I mean, I, I know you guys do, but like, do the people who run the cities of, you know, the United States really care? I mean, I know, yes. sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, like, I, I don't know what one of your bikes weighs. I mean, what does the e-bike weigh, the Volta, maybe? Yeah, the, the Volta weighs 35 pounds, which, you know, seems, if you weren't in the market for an electric bike, it seems like kind of heavy. But, you know, until you start realizing that other bike electric bikes are 50 to 60 pounds, you start to think, oh, well, this is this is a changer. Well, I guess the point of my question was more like, I, you know, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive myself in a one and a half ton piece of metal to work. Just me. Uh, maybe sometimes I'll co or share with my wife versus uh, a 30, 40 pound uh, electric bike. And, and we, we all know the repercussions of moving that sort of metal all around um, is very different between uh, the two. So, uh, yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, clearly it's an obvious change, but there's a lot of things that need to happen. Um, I'm just, yeah, I think yeah. everyone wants it. It's just, I'm curious whether there's enough actually interest at the top to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, so last year I went to Washington, D.C. with People for Bikes, this advocacy group I told you about, yeah. to Lockheed yeah. for some specific grants, like this Tiger Grant and some other specific things to kind of just get the bicycle industry out there. So we met with like staffers of, of people on the House of Representatives and um, some senators. And it was really interesting because like it really did seem like most people did care. And then we met with some people who just like, you know, definitely didn't care. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of like this with, with any any policy, you know, whether it's some people who believe like in, you know, like the environment, you know, in, in environmental causes that like there's global warming, you know, or some, you know, some people don't. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just like hit, hit or miss, but we're we're moving in the right direction. Definitely. Um, I think that we're, we're, we're definitely the industry as a whole is making good change um, and we're seeing more protected bike lanes being put in. We're seeing cities buying into more bike share programs. We're seeing laws being changed where cars are getting in more trouble if they're, if they're driving too close to bicyclists, to, to cyclists. And we're seeing stupid laws being repealed, like forcing someone above the age of 21 to wear a helmet, which like, you know, seems counterintuitive, but like, you know, you, you want to just encourage people to ride their bike and, you know, you don't want to have stupid tickets like that. So there, there's definitely like good momentum going forward. It's not going as fast as everyone wants, but you know, it's like cycling is always in a 
you know, there's been tons of studies that increases, you know, business business when there's protected bike lanes on, on, a, on a specific street and, and it makes people live longer when they cycle and it's healthier and all that good stuff. You know, there's just so many good things that cycling brings, but it's going to take time, but it is moving in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it just makes for better cities, right? More livable, more, more human friendly. Um, cool. I mean, a few, uh, few quick fire questions, if that's cool. Um, I guess, uh, you know, any books, blogs that you read that have had a profound impact on you or any kind of people or ideas that keep going? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, really cool one that we make we have all we make or have all of our employees read is delivering happiness huh. um by yeah you know just we're so big on delivering like the best bike buying experience possible and delivering the best customer service possible so you know that that one's really important to us because uh, the cycling industry can get really intimidating and we want to be kind of the anti that yeah and, and a book i just recently read uh shoe dog awesome book uh, which is so yeah, so super good. raw, right? Like I couldn't. I, I love that quote where he comes out of the theater at the end, where he, and he sees Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, and he yeah. felt that kind of lack of self confidence because he was worth only ten billion and they're worth sixty. Uh, it's just awesome. Yeah, it was a good book. Just seeing, you know, like everyone struggles. You know, every business yeah. struggles. You know, whether you're Nike or whatever, everyone goes through those those points or where you know you don't know if you're going to make it, and then you know you just you know, persevere and, and make it happen. So that I really, I really like that book. Phil Knight's uh, definitely have a new appreciation for the, for the company. Yeah. He's a rock star, Right. And it's funny because he, he, when you read a book, it kind of jumps and usually you're like, you just said from 1986 to 1992, what the hell did you do for six years? But he actually kind of really talked about the struggle, which was awesome. Okay. Um, if you could be the, the, the founder or the leader of any company in the world, which would you choose and why? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I like, uh, I like our company. I like, <laughs> Good uh, on. Yeah. you know, super passionate about, about what we're doing here. You know, I love sports. I love being outside. I love cycling. So, you know, I like, I like the struggle we're having. I like the success we're having. So I, I'm happy where I am. That's awesome. That's exactly, I guess, what everyone wants to be able to say. Cool. And I guess, uh, you know, is there anything that, I, that we can help with anything? Obviously we'll, uh, Everyone listening should go and check out the Kickstarter campaign. And if you're, if you're able, you should definitely look at it and see if you can buy one or obviously check out the site themselves. And they've, I think the e-bikes a bit more on the, a little bit more expensive than the rest of the bikes, but they've got a great selection. Anything else that we can share or ask of the audience? No, it's right. You know, I challenge you to go ride your bike. If you're going to do within two miles, you know, just ride your bike and try it. I bet you'll enjoy it a lot more than, Get in your car and try to find a parking spot. No, I love it. One mile, you know, just take that challenge and just try it. Go for a ride. I like it. I am. Um, there's actually been a bunch of. There's been like three bike sharing companies open up in Singapore in the last like three months. They're all from China. So there's literally a proliferation of these yellow and white bikes all over the city. And I'm sure no matter where you're living, there's probably some sort of bike sharing program being set up. So if you haven't got a bike, um, you can probably get one. Uh, there's probably no excuse nowadays. And then, of course, once you enjoy it, go buy your own. But cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Michael. I've really enjoyed it. There's, um, I made a lot of notes and I, I may uh, follow up with some questions later, but um, I've really enjoyed learning about you guys and hopefully everyone else does as well. So thank you so much for your time and I hope you have a great evening and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Cameron. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much.